listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Welcome to T2D, don't sugarcoat it, delivering bite-sized pieces of information to your ears. Welcome. I'm so excited. This is Todd Urey, CEO of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. And in recognition of Diabetes Month, today's podcast is titled The Indispensable Role of Pharmacists in T2D Care. And we're going to discuss and share insights on why pharmacists are indispensable in type 2 diabetes uh, care or T2D. Uh, review data on how pharmacist involvement improves measurable outcomes for patients with T2D, as well as review T2D treatment recommendations from major medical societies. Before we begin our discussion, please note some disclaimers. This program is intended for clinicians. The information presented in this podcast is aligned with the views and opinions of the speakers and is sponsored by Novo Nordisk. The speakers have been compensated by Novo Nordisk for their participation in this program, and this podcast is not to be used as medical advice and is intended for educational purposes only. It is not approved for continuing medical education credits. I am pleased to be joined today by pharmacist experts, Dr. Rohit Mugee and Dr. Diana Isaacs. Rohit and Diana, would you please introduce yourselves to our audience? Hello, everyone. My name is Diana Isaacs. I'm an endocrine clinical pharmacist, and I'm also the director of education and training in diabetes technology at the Cleveland Clinic in Cleveland, Ohio. Hi, my name is Rohit Moge. I am an ambulatory care and population health pharmacist. I work for Trinity Health Mid-Atlantic um, for the Accountable Care Organization. I'm so excited that you are all here. Thank you so much for taking the time to be a part of this podcast. Diana, can you please describe your role as a pharmacist in type 2 diabetes management? Sure. In terms of my role, I have a collaborative practice agreement with the physicians and advanced practice providers in our practice to be able to prescribe medications, adjust medications, and prescribe diabetes management technologies, such as continuous glucose monitoring. And I work closely with the whole care team offering my expertise on medications. And so often patients are referred to me who may struggle to reach their glucose targets, their A1C goals, or their time and range targets. If using CGM, I work with them closely to optimize their medications and help them to reach those targets. I'm also involved with a number of diabetes education classes, such as with the use of continuous glucose monitoring, because we find that it's a great tool to better optimize the medication since we can track blood glucose levels and spot trends and determine what types of medications may need to be adjusted. Diana, thank you so much for that. What a great explanation. So Rahit, you're up next. Can you comment based on your role as a pharmacist in type 2 diabetes management? Yeah, so a lot of us have very similar roles as pharmacists. Not only are we the medication experts, but in my role of working for a value-based outfit of a healthcare organization, our job is to also keep the total cost of care down. So we're charged with keeping patients out of the ER and the hospital and keeping them well in the community. Most of my role involves seeing patients within our various practice sites. I'm involved in not just diabetes, but also overall management of predominantly the geriatric population. To Diana's point, we're not only working with patients on aspects of diabetes technology, but also on medication management component. 
I try to optimize the regimens exactly the way Diana had mentioned, and I also try to de-prescribe unnecessary medications. In order to do that, I also spend a lot of time coaching patients through intensive lifestyle modifications. Thank you both for your insights. This is great. Rohit, what impact does pharmacist involvement in T2D management have on patient outcomes? Yeah, this is an excellent question. So this is one of the things that we as pharmacists are always asked, like, yeah, I would love to have your help, but how does that help me? And what are the outcomes? So a retrospective study between 2014 and 2015 compared glycemic control, the percentage of patients achieving A1C goal, along with blood pressure and dyslipidemia outcomes in 95 patients with T2D who received pharmacist-led comprehensive medication management, which is kind of what I do with my patients, versus 132 patients with T2D who received usual care in primary care settings. Being that this was a retrospective study based on a pilot service, there were some limitations. The usual care group was matched to the intervention group using only baseline A1C values. Some of the patients in the intervention group were referred by PCPs versus being chosen from outreach lists. And it's possible that the PCP referred patients were having difficulties with things like adhering to their medications, which of course, we as pharmacists can help address. There were other factors that were not assessed, such as gender and ethnicity, among others. The study concluded that the intervention group who received pharmacist-led management achieved better glycemic control in a timely manner compared with the control group. This is important because early intensive treatment of glycemia, especially in newly diagnosed patients with T2D, may provide long-term cardiovascular benefits. Studies have shown that when we hit them hard, hit them early, and get them to glycemic control in a timely fashion, we actually gain the benefit of cardiovascular risk reduction. There was another study that evaluated the effectiveness of pharmacist intervention versus usual care for patients with T2D. It was a systematic review of randomized controlled trials on this topic. What I like about systematic reviews is that it shows us the body of evidence not just from one randomized controlled trial, but a group of randomized controlled trials to then say, which direction is the collective data headed? Is it going in the direction we intended or not? So this systematic review included data from 36 randomized controlled trials between 1996 and 2015 and involved 5,761 patients. With the inclusion of so many different trials, there were some limitations for this study as well. There was potential study bias due to incomplete details from some of the included studies and the use of several tools for assessment of some of the outcomes, such as medication adherence, which did not allow for direct comparison of the effect of pharmacist interventions on these outcomes across all 36 trials. So what did the study find? The study reported that pharmacist involvement in T2D management, such as, but not limited to, diabetes education, effective interaction with clinicians, and evaluation of modifications of pharmacotherapy has benefits on many outcomes, including A1C reduction and 10-year coronary heart disease risk reduction, as well as other important related factors such as body mass index, BMI, and medication adherence. Rohit mentioned earlier intense glycemic control for potential long-term benefits on diabetes-related complications, a sort of a legacy effect. 
Diana, would you say that patients are aware of this urgency uh, to achieve early glycemic control to help prevent diabetes-related complications? So we know that the A1C target goal, according to the ADA, is less than 7% for most non-pregnant adults with T2D without significant hypoglycemia. And if we're looking at continuous glucose monitoring data, it usually correlates with at least 70% of the time in the target range of 70 to 180 milligrams per deciliter. However, based on a cross-sectional analysis of National Health and Nutrition Examination Survey, or NHANES, data of adults with T2D in the United States between 1999 and 2018, only about half of adult patients with diabetes are actually achieving that A1C target of less than 7%. I think there's a real disconnect between what the recommended targets are and whether patients are actually achieving those targets in a timely manner. And I think there are a lot of reasons for this. In my opinion, some of it may be that it's a lot to take in a new diagnosis. And a lot of times people want to work on lifestyle modifications and clinicians can be reluctant to take action in terms of starting or intensifying medications as necessary. But it's important to avoid therapeutic inertia to reduce risk of diabetes-related complications. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I'm glad you brought that up. If you take a look at historically how we've approached diabetes in this country, I'm dating myself and going back 15 to 20 years, but we're always taught to start a medication, optimize it to its maximum dose over a course of three to six months, then start another medication and optimize that over the course of three to six months. In that process, along with multiple competing priorities in a patient's life, we wind up kicking the can down the road. This can contribute to therapeutic inertia, which is something that the American Diabetes Association, ADA, has been targeting. Now that we have more therapeutic options, it behooves us to use data that we have and try to get more patients under control sooner rather than later. If the ADA recommends an A1C goal of less than 7% for most non-pregnant adults and half are not achieving this goal, clearly the standards of care guidelines are not being adhered to very well. Diana, why do you think this is? Why, why is this the case? Well, I think there's multiple reasons. As Rohit said, there's definitely therapeutic inertia that happens where it's easy to say, well, you're close to goal. It's maybe easier not to rock the boat and continue what we're doing and try to intensify lifestyle modifications. But unfortunately, time passes, three months pass, six months pass, a year passes, and someone is still not at that goal. There's also a real need to improve continuing medical education among health care professionals. Based on a survey of 383 physicians, only 53% reported using diabetes guidelines routinely, which highlights there are gaps in diabetes-related knowledge and familiarity with diabetes therapies in both self-reported guideline users and non-guideline users. And I think especially in primary care, people are managing a lot of different disease states. So it can be really challenging to keep up with all of the different guidelines, especially as new therapies become available. And when you think about the unique role of pharmacists, they are the medication experts. They're often the first to work with insurance and really understand what the approvals are for different drugs. 
They are also able to provide different counseling points that can help patients stick with a new therapy. In my experience in my clinic, I'm often able to see patients more frequently. That allows for closer follow-ups to address any concerns and also to titrate medications more quickly than other healthcare team members to get patients to their goals. Thank you. Those are some really great points. With many guidelines changing annually and sometimes even more frequently, like the ADA standards of care, it is so important for pharmacists to stay up to date so they can keep the clinicians and their care teams informed of the latest guidance. Incidentally, Diana, can you please share with the audience what the current ADA guidelines are? Sure. I was on the ADA Professional Practice Committee for the past three years, which is the committee that updates the ADA standards of care. And then for ACE, I'm on their Clinical Practice Guideline Oversight Committee. So I can tell you both guidelines prioritize lifestyle modifications first, followed by addressing cardiovascular risk independent of A1C. For glycemic management, the ADA recommends the use of metformin or agents including combination therapy that provide adequate efficacy to achieve and maintain treatment goals. Along with glycemic management, ADA also highlights the importance of achieving and maintaining weight management goals. ACE is pretty closely aligned, prioritizing lifestyle intervention, followed by metformin is appropriate. Then they recommend the use of different classes of antihyperglycemic drugs based on patient concerns such as weight or hypoglycemia risk. I'll point out that the guidelines do suggest that you don't have to start with just one medication. Diana and I mentioned therapeutic inertia. Therapeutic inertia is also initiated or perpetuated when you don't address the disease in a timely fashion. So you can start multiple drugs at the same time as the guidelines support. Thank you both for sharing those ADA and AACE recommendations. We hope that the audience finds them useful. To see the full guidelines for information on the hierarchy of usage and strength of these recommendations, please refer to the full ADA standards of care or the AACE consensus statement. I do want to thank the faculty and everyone who has put time and attention into this podcast. Thank you so much, Diana and Rohit. Diana, Rohit, do you have any closing remarks uh, you would like to add? Sure. Well, we know the importance of team-based care. I'm really fortunate to work with a team that includes endocrinologists, advanced practitioners, dietitians, social workers, and nurses. It's really important that we work together because managing diabetes is like a full-time job with all the things that we ask patients to do. And I think patients deserve to have a pharmacist on their team because we have medication expertise and we can work closely with them to optimize their therapies to achieve those targets. I encourage every patient with diabetes to have a pharmacist on their team, and hopefully we can all work together to lower A1C and increase time and range to help more people with diabetes reach their glucose targets and hopefully reduce the risk of diabetes-related complications. From my end, I completely agree with all of that. We are an integral part of the patient's team for the care of their D2D. We're also the most accessible healthcare professional. We are bringing that information and always reiterating what is the FDA-approved indication for all non-insulin agents for the treatment of T2D as an adjunct to diet and exercise. We need to continue to put that point across to patients each and every single time. If you really want to get your diabetes under control, help your medications help you better. It helps to focus on lifestyle factors and making sure 
that they have access to healthcare professional that is going to help get them there. This concludes this episode of the indispensable role of pharmacists in T2D care. Remember to tune in to the other available episodes in this podcast series, T2D, Don't Sugarcoat It, where you can listen to additional diabetes experts, review and discuss the key topics in T2D. Novo Nordisk is a registered trademark of Novo Nordisk AS. All other trademarks registered or unregistered are the property of their respective owners. Copyright 2023 Novo Nordisk All Rights Reserve. US 23HCP00112, November 2023.